If you're free in the house, would you let the Lord know you're thankful today? Hallelujah. Good to see you this morning in the house of the Lord. My Lord, look at that balcony. Wave at me, folk. Hallelujah. Good to see y'all this morning. Do, do this with me. Appreciate you shaking hands with the preacher today. Because I can't get up there and y'all won't come down here. Is that Sister Ann? What are you doing up there? I thought they'd laid out today, and lo and behold, behind the white light, there she stands. Huh. Y'all trying to keep me on my toes where I have to keep looking for you to make sure you're here or not. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I feel good today. Rested, hadn't had been getting up so early to let Travis in to work. So I'm rested. Finally about to stick a fork in that job, hallelujah. Oh. <laughs> I feel good this morning, so get ready. <laughs> Ain't no telling what's coming our way today. Y'all don't be putting on airs, we got company from Dallas today. Don't pay no attention to them. They'll be all right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For, that, for they that sleep, sleep in the night and they that be drunketh are drunketh in the night but let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation for God hath not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do now skip over to verse 16 rejoice evermore pray without ceasing in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you with the help of the Lord for just a little while this morning on, on speak on this topic Ingredients for a thankful life. Ingredients for a thankful life. Now, this morning is probably going to be a little more pastoral than normal. So you pray for me because that's a gear that I have a trouble getting in sometimes to slow down a bit. So you pray for me and I'll pray for you and we'll leave here lifted in his grace. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. 
Lord, for your faithfulness, which is unwavering. I am so grateful this morning. Beautiful household of faith today. Thank you, Lord, for each one that's here in this house that we may together hear and receive what the Spirit would say to the church, that we leave enriched by your grace and empowered through your word. Lord, go with us all, be with us all, and we that have ears to hear, may we hear in Jesus' name. The church said, amen. amen. Ingredients for a thankful life. The instruction to rejoice and to pray and to give thanks uh, come in regard to to the time of that glorious event when believers, whether dead or living, will be gathered together to meet Christ. Consequently, the Thessalonians had just prior to our text, they had been instructed about that glorious occasion to come. Paul wrote to them in that fourth chapter, beautiful fourth chapter, amen, about the shout and the angel and our coming together, the dead rising and the living to be changed. He gives them that instruction and that hope before he follows up with what we now have labeled as the fifth chapter. And they had just heard and received that glorious instruction to come. They knew well that the Lord would come suddenly, that he would come unexpectedly, and he would be surprising an ungodly world, but it would be no surprise to them if they are watchful and they are waiting. But for their understanding, they were not in darkness so as to be taken by surprise. Amen? But still, however, they must exercise constant watchfulness. That's the instruction for you and I today. We must constantly be watching. That is the instruction of the church. For we know not the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. But as we are watchers of the times and the events of our day, I'm telling you the alarm's about to sound. What alarm are you referring, Pastor? I'm referring to that last trump that's going to echo through the eternal waves of glory, and it's going to shake this old earth. It's going to quiver graves, and, and people are going to begin to shake, and the bodies are going to rise, and there's this glorification going to take place. Amen? And I'm ready for that. And it's not going to be a surprise for those of us who love the Lord's appearing. He instructs them to be watchful and to be sober and to be armed with the Christian graces of faith, hope, and love. And we are to be comforted with the assurance that God had not appointed them nor has he appointed us to his wrath but to the attainment of salvation through his son Jesus Christ. I don't know how much tribulation we're going to have to go through. I do know Jesus said we're going to have to deal with some things. I do know we're going to have to deal with a lot of Matthew 24. I know that wars and rumors of wars and these pestilence and all these things are going to be taking place in different portions of the world all simultaneously. And if you'll start looking, I think if you'll do a little research, that's the day and time in which we are living. But the world he said after that gives me hope for the time in which we are living. He said because when you begin to see all these things come to pass, the end is not yet, but it's on its way. My, my, that causes an excitement within me. I know there are a lot of believers in the world who are frightened by the time in which we are living. I'm not frightened by the time in which we are living. I am excited because I am
am anticipating the fourth chapter of the instruction to the church of Thessalonia. I am expecting that. I am anxious and I am awaiting the return of the Lord Jesus. Uh, the only ones who should be in fear are those who are not ready. If you're not ready to meet him, if you're harboring sin in your life, if you're, if you're not serving God, loving God, and living for God, then you have a lot to be afraid of. But I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't have anything to be in fear of because I've not been given that spirit of fear, but I've been given power, I've been given love, and I've been given a soundness of my mind. And the soundness of my mind is wrapped around the hope and the instruction that Paul was given to this church at Thessalonica, that you are to hold on. The trumpet will sound. Amen. And you are going to leave this old world when he calls you to himself. And that's the same encouragement that we are living in today, that the day is coming, the time is nigh. Oh, I, you say, I've heard it all of my life. So have I. But in the span of eternity, what is my life? It's not even a drop in the bucket. Amen. And neither is yours in the span of eternity because on the timetable of God, when the fullness of time comes, then Jesus will come again as he did on the first occasion. When the fullness of time came, Mary gave birth and the hope of the world had been released upon creation. And my God, we're living in the extension of that hope today. He ascended, but one day he will descend again. Isn't that the hope that was given to those Galilean believers on the day of his ascension? You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, this same Jesus in like manner shall come again. Oh, I'm here to encourage somebody today. The ingredients of a faithful life is the hope in his return and the hope of his coming again. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love life as much as the next person. I love living. I enjoy what life has to offer. I'm not talking about the hardship. I'm not talking about crises and sickness, but I'm talking about just everyday life. I love living. But my mind cannot wrap around the concept of living in an eternal, glorified, uncorruptible body. Hallelujah. My mind can't wrap around uh, not walking on gravel and asphalt, but yet to walk on the transparency of the heavenly streets of gold. Uh, my mind can't get around uh, the walls of jasper and the gate of pearl. Uh, I can't get a hold of that. But honey, uh, it's a longing in my soul. Uh, it's a longing in my heart. And I'm longing for that experience. Hallelujah. When we think about this attainment of our salvation through Jesus Christ, this alone should steady our hearts. This what I've just went over for the last five minutes should settle our hearts. It should cause you to be established in life and in your faith and cause a thankfulness to begin to arise out of your soul. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 gives us that great instruction on how to live the ingredients for a thankful life. He says it clearly, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God. People are struggling for the will of God in their life. Let me point you to point number one. Give thanks. Be thankful for whatever is coming into your life. That doesn't make sense. There's some hardships coming. There's some trouble coming. There's sickness and disease. And my kids aren't saved. How am I supposed to be thankful? Because it's the will of God for your life. Because we know according to Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love him and those who are the called according to his purpose. And it's going to work out for your good. You, you fail to realize that at a certain point in life, people are accountable for themselves with God and their relationship 
relationship with God. Oh, I've turned mine over a long time ago. I had to. It was beginning to torment my mind. It was beginning to torment my soul. Loved ones not serving God. Loved ones not wanting to go to heaven. And it was tormenting me. Why? I couldn't understand. I couldn't get a grip, a rap, a rap and a, get a good grip on why they have experienced what I've experienced. They've known what I know currently, but yet they refuse to serve him. And it began to make my heart heavy. And I had to just turn them over to the Lord. I had to turn them over to God and say, God, I, I can't save them. Only you can. I can't convict them, Holy Ghost. Only you can. So I'm turning them over to you. And I'm giving thanks for what you do. It becomes your responsibility, their responsibility, and not our responsibility. I've got a responsibility for myself. You've got a responsibility for yourself. And in everything, give thanks. Hallelujah. Because you serve a good, holy, righteous, just God. And when we give him thanks in everything, it turns the table. Oh, I still pray, but I don't pray with the heaviness that I did because of the feeling of the guilt and the responsibility. But I pray with the anticipation of God's grace and God's delivering and the expectation I have of the Holy Ghost gripping their soul because I want them to experience everything that I experience and the hope and the love and the faith that I have in Jesus Christ. That's the hope. And if you need the ingredient, number one ingredient to having a blessed life is that you have a thankful life. Hallelujah. Whoo, I'm preaching some stuff off of me today. Mm. In everything, give thanks. You think about everything. There's a lot of stuff goes on in everything. Amen. You know, some of those aches and pains you got. Am I supposed to be thankful for that? Well, while I can still feel them, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I can still get up. And everything it takes to get to up. Hello. I'm thankful. And everything it takes. Think about who he's speaking into our text today. Think about that church at Thessalonia. A persecuted church. A misunderstood church. A church that was filled with people who were one newly and freshly to the kingdom of God and are just experiencing the goodness of God and getting to know who God is, if you will. Their families lost, undone, and not hearing and ostracizing them because of their faith. A church that is involved in many who were in poverty and those who were less fortunate. Amen. Isn't that where the message needs to go? That all are blessed at the foot of the cross. Amen. The equality of man is at the foot of the cross of Calvary because bank accounts don't matter or the lack thereof has no consequence because we all are in need of the free gift of salvation. That's the whole point is ascertaining the eternal life that we get through Jesus Christ, through the hope that we have in him. And that's the whole message Paul is trying to get across to these Greeks and those Jews who accepted in Thessalonia that the hope that you have now is in Jesus Christ who is the fulfillment of the prophecy of old. He is the lamb, amen. He is the scapegoat. He was the all in all. He was the true sacrifice. And he's getting them the point so that they would understand that yes, it's hard here below. Yes, you're being persecuted. But hold on. In verse 24, further down in our text, it says faithful is God. He is faithful. He is he who hath called you. He is faithful. And he will always remain faithful. So he begins to give them the ingredients 
ingredients to have that thankful life. He said, rejoice evermore. He said, pray without ceasing. And he said, giving thanks because this is the will of God for your life by Christ Jesus. Let's invert that today so we begin by giving thanks. I give God thanks for what he does. I give God thanks for what he doesn't do that I've told him to do. Huh? I know how you pray. You pray like I do. I tell God what I want him to do. Yeah. Tell him how I want people saved, how he can deliver them. If he'd he'd take my advice. Huh? Just like if he'd take your advice, your life would be better and so would theirs. But he's God and he don't need my advice. (laughs) Amen? And... I don't know about you, but he's informed me of that in my lifespan. I don't need your two cents. I've got this. Okay, God. You want to pull that God card? He'll pull it. Amen. Don't you think you know better for other people than they know for themselves? Come on. Where you at? Hypocrites. Thank you, Brother Mike. I got one that on up to it. My Lord, you know if they lived the way you wanted them to live, they'd be a whole lot better off. That's just plain and simple. That's what I used to tell my, if you'll just do what I tell you to do, how I tell you to do it, things would go much better for you. <laughs> well, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. This was for down the road somewhere. Lord, we missed it this morning. You didn't. Evidently I did. Hmm. He tells them and whatever they are facing, to be continuanced in their prayer life, to continue in their rejoicing, and to continue in their thanksgiving, in spite of what we are coming up against in the circumstances of life. Somebody needs to look at yourself in a pocket mirror or in the rear view going home and turn it towards yourself and say, Self, you got to be thankful no matter what. We got to keep praising no matter what. We got to keep praying no matter what. <laughs> it's got to be a continuance in our life. We have to continue praying. Why? Because prayer changes things. Can I tell you the number one thing that prayer changes? It's not God. It's not God's mind. It's you. It's me. Prayer changes me. It changes my perception because the longer I pray and God's not doing what I I've told him to do, and then I begin to see what he's doing without what I've told him. Oh, it lets me be more thankful. God, I'm so glad. How many of you have ever prayed and got something that you asked for exactly, and about a weekend you're thinking, God, why did you answer that one? Huh? I prayed like that, and it came to pass. I thought, oops, should not ask for that. I learned about 30 years ago, never pray for patience. And if you're praying that now, stop. Why? Because all hell breaks loose. Trouble and trials and persecutions, these things, tribulations, they bring forth patience. I got enough. Anybody with me? I got enough. But when patience has her perfect work, there's a reason the feminine interjection is there. When patience has her perfect work. Don't turn your head sideways. <laughs> and all the men said, Amen. And all the ladies say, Move on. So I'm going to move on. 
Because I almost said it's because of her that my patience is what it is today. <laughs> yeah. It's better than it was, ain't it? I hadn't cracked a steering wheel in I don't know how many years. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us, Jesus. Ingredients to a thankful life. Moving right along. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He tells them whatever you're facing to be continued in and to remain faithful and to remain thankful because of the hope and the love and the joy that you have in him. Even though persecution comes your way, we ought to know and to realize we are persecuted because they persecuted him. Amen. He said they hated me and they're going to hate you. Uh, if you'll stop and do a little evaluation about what's coming against you, if people are persecuting you, you ought to thank God there's enough Jesus in your life that they recognize him above you and they're persecuting you. Amen? Because the devil tries to tell you, oh, who do you think you are? What do you think you're trying to prove? Doesn't he do that? Oh, you're not, you're not a good Christian at all. But if the world is persecuting you because of your faith, you're doing a pretty good job, brother and sister. So you ought to be thankful. Thank you, Lord, that there's enough witness in my life. There's enough testimony in my life that others see you. Somehow they hear you. Somehow my life is emulating your hope uh, and it rubs the world wrongly and it rubs them raw uh, and I'm thankful today that your witness in my life brings about this persecution we don't like to think about it that way maybe we should to be thankful why because it's the will of God in Christ Jesus for life as we're approaching these holiday seasons and Thanksgiving is upon us a season. These seasons that are coming up, they are, they are filled with warmth. They're filled with family. They're filled with closeness. And they're, they're filled with good food. We've already mentioned that somewhere around the room this morning. Thanksgiving's coming, and we're all thinking about the food on Thursday. Amen. I mean, that's the highlight of the day. It's the meal that hits the table. It's those favorite recipes that you only get once a year. I never understood that. Why do we always just get the really, really good stuff once a year? I don't get that. I called my mama. I said, Mama, sis told me to call you because sis thought that I had more favor with mother than she did. She said, I want tater salad and coleslaw. Huh. I said, well, what's that mean? Huh. Well, I ain't making it. I said, well, you're going to make something. Well, I might make the coleslaw. Then she throws the tater salad off on one of my nieces. Well, she's got pretty good at it. I said, my mother, it's not your tater salad. Well, you'll just have to do without. <laughs> so that's one recipe I won't get. Mama's tater salad. I'll go with the coleslaw, but I was wanting both. <laughs> yeah. So we get those good recipes, the, the good desserts that uh, a lot of times you'll only get these Thanksgiving and Christmas desserts at this time of year. They, I, I don't know why. Patients won't go ahead and do it. <laughs> I don't know why patients won't go ahead and do it some other time throughout the year. <laughs> oh, Lord, I'm going to shut this thing down we go home. <laughs> Uh, I told you all I felt good this morning. Uh, patience needs to cook more of those things throughout the year. <laughs> those favorite recipes. 
Think about this. Have you ever asked someone the ingredients in a recipe? And then they begin to tell you what's in it. And the more you think about what they said is in there, you think, well, that ain't right. Well, that can't be good. That's not in here. Case in point, who does not like mustard whatsoever? You can't taste it on smoked barbecue. People slipped in while I'm doing that. I say, is that mustard? Yeah, that's mustard. Well, I don't like mustard. I don't like mustard on my barbecue. I said, have you eaten my barbecue before? Well, yeah, was it good? Yeah, it's good. Until now, you didn't know there was mustard in it. But old Frenchie's there. That's the way it is sometimes with life. You think some of the ingredients that are coming your way, it don't make any sense at all. The things that are coming into our lives have absolutely nothing to do with one another. Mustard and barbecue doesn't make a lot of sense, but it works. Paul gives a list of ingredients that to many doesn't seem right. And for many, it is offensive that in the middle of tribulation and in the middle of trial, in the middle of these persecutions, he said, I want you to rejoice evermore. you got to put your praise on in spite of everything. In the middle of it all, that's when God wants your praise. Everybody knows and understands or should know and understand that your praise is the purest form of your faith because you praise God for who he is, not what he's doing nor what he has done or not what you hope he will do. It's just because of who he is and because he is good and his mercy endures forever. And that mercy, do you realize that term is repeated 44 times throughout scripture? Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Oh, give over and over and over that repetitive phrase. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a situation when the world's turned topsy-turvy and upside down. The church ought to be at attention. Every opportunity that we have, not just Sunday morning, not just times we corporately gather, but every morning we get up and after you watch the news, you ought to give the Lord the praise. Well, there's nothing to praise him for there. Oh, yes, there is because his mercy is good and it's new every morning and give God thanks for his mercy because he is good. Amen. He is good and that that goodness is expressed toward humanity because that mercy has given humanity one more day to receive the glorious good news of the gospel and the salvation of Jesus Christ. One more day. And we ought to give him thanks for every day. We stop to think about how can you give thanks in difficult times when you think about Job's comforters in the midst of his crisis. When you think about how trouble, trials, and tribulations make their way into our hearts and lives, how can we rejoice? It's simple. Look at what she began to say as she began to talk to Job about everything that's going on in his life. She began to tell him, you have got to give up. We have got to give in. We've got to turn around. You've got to just curse God and let's die. We've got to give up all of our hope. We've got to give up everything in our life because it's not going the way that it 
it should go. And when you begin to hear the response that she gives, oh, Lord, you have to know her life was in agony. But Job would say, what is it? How can we say that we give God praise for the good things? And what can we not expect some evil to enter into our life as well and not be thankful to God? Are we just going to be thankful when everything's going good? Can we not thank God when the enemy comes against us? Can we thank God not when the devil comes against us? He said, woman, you sound like you've been talking to the foolish women around town. We can't do that. And the Bible says that Job, he did not lose his integrity and he did not speak evil against God with his lip. Oh, even when the comforters come around to watch him, when they came against him, it would be a response. Though the skin worms devour this whole body, yet I know that my Redeemer lives and with my eyes I shall see him. It begins to echo the praise that he gave to her. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What do you say? When God is good, we can give him glory. What do you say? When God is good, we can praise him and be thankful. But what happens when the enemy invades our life? Can we not say the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away? But blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we not understand that the life that we have is the most valued commodity that we have? The breath that he gives you every day. Things come. Things go. Money will leave you faltered and floundering with or without. But God will never leave you faltering. God will never leave you floundering. He'll be with you always and forever. Can we not be grateful and thankful? Paul's trying to do is instruct them in sound doctrine for understanding that a thankful life is because of a blessed life. Amen. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. Yet in every season we are to give thanks. In every circumstance to give thanks. In joy and in sorrow we give thanks. For everything we give thanks to God. Prosperity and adversity in even every place, whether it's in the house of God or on our sickbed, we ought to give God thanks. As believers, we should not only be engaged in constant prayer, constant thanksgiving, but indeed we understand that those prayers should partake largely of the nature of thanksgiving. Rejoice, pray, be thankful. Always, evermore, the emphasis, keep on, keeping on, rejoicing. Amen, I know that we're coming upon a season that for many it ushers in a dark cloud of depression. If we're not careful, we'll be with the hee-haw gang and own despair and agony because of the holidays and the lack of what we can do for the expectations of others. Let pastor help you and instruct you this morning. Forget about others and concentrate on him. <laughs> and you won't be depressed in the seasons that are upcoming. You won't get down. You won't get cast out. 
I know the enemy's going to try to come in and when our emotions are at their best, he's going to try to play on the harp strings of your soul and your sympathies and he's going to bring up every fond member of who it is that's absent in your Christmas season this year. But I'm here to tell you today, don't let him play on your emotion. You give God the thanks for the time that you had with them and refuse the enemy to attempt to bring you down into a place of depression and, and cast it off and you rejoice evermore. Especially if those loved ones are in heaven today, my God, it should be a joyful season. Oh, joy to the world. Amen. We should be giving glory and honor. Oh, you say that so flippantly. No, I do not. I say that with all the empathy that I can in my heart today because I've seen it. I've seen what happens. I've seen how the enemy works. It what should be the most joy-filled season of the year. How he can drag depression and this oppressive case over people and pull them down that they can express themselves in giving thanks for the greatest gift to humanity. Because situationally we may not be where we want to be so that we could give everything we would like to give. Let me instruct you this morning, if you'll give him the very best praise that you can offer, if you rejoice and give thanks and you pray, you will have the greatest Christmas season and holiday season that you've experienced and encountered for many a year. Because our focal is on him. Amen. Amen. All the devil wants to do is get you concentrated on the negative. Amen. It's got commercialized way too much anyway. I'm about to preach myself into not letting Sister Kathy go Christmas shopping. And rejoice. I felt that spirit from there. That ain't happening. I tried. You can't, I mean, you can't even preach it to everybody. They won't have it. A dedicated prayer life is an empowered and reinforcement with a thankful and joyous spirit. A committed prayer life reinforces our rejoicing and it reinforces and really emphasizes our thankfulness. A committed prayer life. A dedicated, devoted prayer life. It brings about rejoicing always with this praying without ceasing and giving thanks and everything as we are learned. These are learned spiritual disciplines. You have to practice them. You have to learn them. And when you do, the walk that you have with God will go to a completely different level. Because it will get you to the place where you understand truly that things of and in life are not as important as many make them out to be. But the most important thing is your relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through the enabling power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Listen, he said that our motivation is the desire to please our Father in all our ways of service and obedience. There are many times when we find it difficult to form, listen to this, we find it difficult to form our worries into prayer, much less rejoice or offer thanks for them. We find it difficult 
to form our worries into prayer, let alone reform them into rejoicing and thankfulness. It gets very complex. It may be that the most important time to rejoice and give thanks is when we feel discouraged and hopeless the most. Time doesn't afford us to go to 1 Samuel 30 at a place called Ziklag. As the families of David's army have all been carried off. I reread that again this morning and there was a, there was a sen- half a sentence there that I never noticed before. And it said, and they slew none of them, but carried them all away. I don't know how many times I've seen that. I don't know how many times I've read it. I don't know how many different times I've preached it. But this morning was the first time that I saw that emphasis on that phrase in that scripture. I always had in my mind when they come back, the whole place is burned. I know some were carried away, some were taken captive. And I thought many were left there dead. But no. Carried away. You stop and think just for a moment as David is in this deep depression and his own armies turned on him, threatening to stone him. And the scripture says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, the only way you can encourage yourself in the Lord is to be mindful of God's faithfulness. And if you're mindful of God's faithfulness, it will turn to a state of thanksgiving. Because you can't help think but how good God has been. And when his mind turned to that, he turned to prayer. He said, have them bring me the ephod. And he inquired of the Lord, shall I arise and go get them? He said, get up, go, and I'll give you a bonus. You shall recover all. (laughs) Uh, Then he came out praising and they went to war. At times our hearts are burdened with circumstances beyond our control and we can't think of what to pray or how to pray. But it's then that the Holy Ghost comes to our rescue and he gives us the courage to obey the one who loves us unconditionally and he helps us to pray. He helps us to rejoice Helps us to remain thankful. Stand with me. I'm closing this morning. Ephesians 5.20 reads, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He does so because of the continued blessings that flow from God. A thankful life is a blessed life. We understand how good God is. Psalm 106 and 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Every day that we live involves the mercy of God in and on our lives. It's because God is good. Even when we haven't gotten the answer, even when you haven't seen the situation change, even when life doesn't make sense, God is good. One man said, we are never thankful for what we think we deserve. 
We are always deeply thankful for great kindness we know we don't deserve. Charles Finney said, A state of mind that sees God in everything is evidence of growth in grace and a thankful heart. Paul wrote to Colossians, 3rd chapter, 17th verse, and he said, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, I love you this morning. So grateful, so thankful today for your goodness abounds and your mercies are new every morning. Such a beautiful congregation today. Brand new infants in the room. We're so thankful. So thankful for your kindness and your mercy. Over the household of faith today, Lord, I, I pray. I pray for each one, Lord. As we're coming up on these holiday seasons, that we continue to pray. We continue to rejoice. And we abound in thankfulness for you are good. Over the household of faith, I pray your blessing. Strengthen hearts today. Strengthen lives this morning. Lord, if they be in this congregation, this gathering today, one that does not know you and free pardon of sin, I pray, God, they hear this invitation and receive. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, no one's looking around, heads bowed all over the house. I'm going to pray a sinner's prayer. And if you feel the Spirit of God knocking at your heart's door, I want you to pray it with me in sincerity. Father, I repent today of my sins as I feel the drawing of your Spirit. Cleanse me. Purify me. Forgive me. For I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, died and rose again, that I might be saved. Thank you for hearing that prayer and answering. Now be Lord of my life. Be Lord of my life. Be Lord of my life. Lead me. Say, Pastor, I need a little encouragement coming on this season. I've heard the word of the Lord this morning, but I need, I need a touch from him. Would you just lift your hand up? Amen. All over this house. All 
over this house. My, my, my. I'm going to pray for you this morning, Father. You have witnessed every hand that has been raised in this room. People needing encouragement. People needing your strength for the next six to eight weeks that are ahead. So, Father, I pray a rebuking authority through your word and through the name of your Son over the voice of the enemy from their life and from their hearing. And I pray that through your word, by faith, hope, and joy, that this is the best holiday season that they have experienced ever. Help them focus. Help them see you in every situation and every circumstance. Empower us all through that enabling of the Holy Spirit to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. In Jesus' holy and mighty name.